Thank you so much for joining me on my esthetician chat, Stephanie Lane's Institute. We are live on Clubhouse. And if you're on my podcast, yeah, thank you for joining me. And um, I wanted to come on and really start talking tonight specifically about planning for growth. And I wanted to elaborate on planning for the future versus planning for now. And this is something that I really had to focus on when I started understanding that growth was inevitable and I had to plan for growth and not get caught up in the now. And what do I mean by that? So it's easy for us to get caught up in the now because now we're super busy. We're trying to market consistently. We're trying to do all of the things, be the client, uh, customer service that our clients want us to be, plan, purchase, take care of all of our, our um, bookkeeping, all of those things, right? But when it comes to planning for our growth, we don't do well because we're not planning ahead. So I have always, even when I was a solo back 15 years ago, have always planned ahead. So my growth was in anticipation of full books, constant retail, deciding what my schedule was going to be, deciding how I was going to purchase. All of that was always forecast in the future, right? So even to this day, every October, I will plan my entire 12-month calendar year for the following year from marketing, promotions, any discounts I'm going to offer, holidays that I want to pay attention to, anything that may have a theme that's pertaining to the business, I'm going to plan it 12 months in advance. So when I've been doing my shorts on Instagram, and if you're new to the room, make sure you click the little square house at the top. Thank you guys so much for joining. Um, that way you can follow me. I typically come every Tuesday night, specifically talking to estheticians, and we try to make this esthetician chat. I used to do this a long time ago on my clubhouse. Then I went to Facebook. And so all my old Periscopes and my old Facebooks are on my YouTube channel. But it's nice to be here in um, clubhouse land because we can really get down to the nitty gritty. So typically what I do is I chat for about 30 minutes and then I open it up for Q&A. If you listen to the podcast, I cut it after uh, I'm done and then we go Q&A live on Clubhouse. So I really want to talk about planning for the future and not getting caught up for planning for now. So when I say planning for now, there's a lot of things that you can do strategically right now to say whether you're planning for the future or you're planning for now. That biggest thing is understanding how you buy. So if you're only buying enough to get you through maybe a month or two, you're really only planning for now. You're not planning for growth and you're not planning for the future. When you plan for growth, you're going to put strategies in place to be very seamless when you make that goal. For me, the fastest way to get my goal was to plan like I already had full books. So I planned for the full books. I didn't put a strategy in once the books got full. I was planning for the full books. I was planning for the constant retail sales. I was planning for the things to happen and putting those in place. So when it did happen, it was seamless. I get a lot of people in my, in my DMs or on Facebook and or Instagram saying that, well, you know, I, I don't really know where to go or how to grow from solo to more than solo. Should I hire? Should I hire um, an assistant? Should I hire employees? What should I do with the products that I have? 
how do I really grow? And the sad thing that I see consistently is no one's planning for their growth. So why are you not planning for your growth, but you want to grow? Like to me, those two just don't really make sense, but I understand it because we come from a place of fear. So it's easier to say, ah, I'm going to plan when I get there. I'm just going to maintain and fake it until I make it now. But in business, that's not really how it works, right? So once you go from actually making income, putting in the place of having payroll consistently, purchasing to actually make money, you get a bookkeeper, you really start doing the business things that we should be doing. Those are all strategic plans. So then why can't we as strategically planning for when we grow and we have those full books, we have staff, whether it's an assistant and or another esthetician or someone else that's in the spa industry, why can't we ever plan for those things? I, I definitely know why we can't plan for it because we're not, we're not ready to tackle that part because we're barely holding on to the day-to-day. We're barely holding on to the day-to-day, meaning we get emotionally charged up when a client cancels or we've count our uh, eggs before they hatch, meaning you had nine appointments today, but only five showed up. So I'm going to have a bad attitude because these folks canceled and I needed the money because I counted on the money. Like we get so caught up with the day-to-day that we miss those opportunities to understand what if we had strategies in place that we're planning for growth right? Many of you guys know that I have master classes and we have a nice community group where it's just $25 a month and you're able to look at all of my master classes. Every time I add them, you have access to them right away. And so we just added in the gift with purchase or gift with service. And it was so interesting to me as I was putting that master class together, how much we love to emulate the big ones, right? The Sephora's, the Neiman's, the Estee Lauder's, all of that. We love to emulate those, but we poo-poo when our client gets caught up in their marketing plan and they go to the counter and they buy, not realizing we can do that same marketing plan, but we're caught up in the day-to-day and we're not planning for growth. So that masterclass literally is how do you grow your gift with purchase option or your gift with service option. So that was a really fun masterclass to put together. But when you understand the planning for growth, it it goes back to the very beginning. If you don't plan and you do grow, where are you going to be? If you don't have strategies in place, then what are you going to do when you have full books? When are you going to do when it's time to hire? You have to plan for it. And here's the thing. We are never taught business tips, business tools. We're not taught any of this when we went to aesthetic school, right? We were taught to pass state board, do great facials, understand waxing, understand skin analysis, start using certain products. Like we never talk about business, but the minute we get into business mind, we turn it off because we're like, ah, I want to be a really great facial massage person, or I want to do great at skincare. I want to do great at waxing. Like we don't want to step outside of our box, but you have to, especially if you want to grow and all of us want to grow. All of us want to get to the place where we are at a place where we do not worry about money, right? We're dealing with our money issues. We don't get upset when someone cancels and we were guaranteed, we were thinking we had guaranteed money, or that client doesn't buy a product. Like we are controlling our emotions. We would love to be at that place. You got to plan for it. And that's one thing I've always planned for. Even when it comes to my income, I planned when I wanted to make six figures. I plan when I wanted to make seven figures. Now I'm planning to make eight figures. Like I'm always planning 
so that when it happens, there's already strategies in place to handle that. So I can now go on to the next growth step. So growing pains are real, but we also have to be realistic about what it is we're trying to do with our business. I'll never forget the decision that I made to hire was way more difficult than I should have made it. And I made the mistake of thinking when I hire a team, I'm going to make more money. I made more money for the business, but I personally didn't make any money because I had to pay the staff first. But I bought into that hype of if you have a team, you're going to make more money. When you have a team, you babysit a lot. You got, you, you, you got to, you got to, you got to babysit more than I'm comfortable with. Uh, you have a lot of different personalities that you have to um, work through. And then you have a lot more attitudes and you have a lot more people that have opinions that have no idea about business. So is in my opinion, when I had my staff and I've had two staff before I had it at my first spa and my second spa, I always felt like I should have grown in the way I wanted to grow and not what the image of growing your team is about. If I ever decided to go back to the treatment room and start doing services again, I truly would hire an assistant who assists me and hire someone for front desk. All they do is check out. And that may be one and same for that person. They check them out. They check them in. They turn my room over. They get me ready for the next service. Like that is really what I would have done. And I would have preferred to go that route, but I was bought into the hype where you have to have a team. So I hired a massage therapist. I hired front desk. I had hired another esthetician and it just really didn't work out the way I wanted it to, because at the end of the day, I got paid what was left over because no one talks about the team aspect when you're an owner. It's great. And you get all the kudos when you build a team, but nobody talks about how to maintain a team. Nobody talks about how to deal with all the attitudes and the issues that come up. Right. So when I, when I really started understanding planning for growth, I knew that when I decided to make the shift from esthetician in the treatment room to esthetician with my brand and creating and smooth skin supply and all of those different things that I had to have a team because I wasn't going to be able to do it all myself because I did it for myself for a long time, but that was hindering the growth. So when I did hire a team, I hired people to take things off my plate so that I could stay in my creative mode, right? But I planned for that. So when my husband came along and worked, and then we had our first employee and our second, third, fourth, now we're on our fifth employee going on sixth, I was planning for the growth the entire time, understanding that I knew in order for me to grow to where I wanted to be and get all of these figures, I had to have more than just me and my husband. But when it comes to aesthetics and we start looking at it, I have interesting conversations with people and I mean, basic conversations. What is it that you want to specialize in with your waxing? Brazilian waxing brows, which, what do you want to do? Oh, I don't know. Oh, okay. So what kind of retail do you want to offer? Oh, I don't know. Okay. Do you sell retail? Well, no. Okay. So how exactly do you expect to make money? Well, you know, I have services. Yeah, but the people are looking for products. So either they're buying it for you or they're going to someone else. Oh, I didn't think about it like that. And then I start asking the big questions. Okay, where do you see yourself going in your business? 
oh, I didn't see that. So I'm thinking, okay, so how can we go back to the beginning and really plan for our growth and not just really be in the moment? And being in the moment for some of us is also stressful. I had someone that came into the business and was just crying. And I'm like, oh my goodness, what happened? I didn't realize, you know, I, I, I had so much responsibility when I run a room and I do all of this and I have to provide this and I have to do that. And I'm thinking in this day and age, there's much technology we have. We have YouTube, we have Instagram, we have TikTok, we have Facebook, we have all these social media platforms where estheticians are sharing their journeys and sharing their mistakes. How is it that you didn't know? Oh, I, I understand how you didn't know. You got caught up in the same dream that I did when I graduated from beauty school. And that was that you're going to make all this money because when you get a job as a statistician, you're going to make all this money, right? And then when the reality hits, when you're in your treatment room and you have no clients, and that is the perfect opportunity to plan for your growth because the things that you put in place and that you're constantly changing and evolving will allow you to see that what you're putting in place is for your growth. I didn't go from a $65 to $125 to $250 facial overnight. I planned for it. So when you, when you understand that you're going to change in this industry, your business is going to change. It's going to figure out, you're going to figure out what your specialty is. You're going to figure out your core clientele. You're going to figure out how your clients purchase with you. You're going to figure out all those things. Those are all planning for your growth. Because what you want to do is you want to have more clients buy like your core clients. They show up to their appointments. They purchase the retail. They keep their appointments. They tell their friends and friends and family. Like those are all the things that you want your core clientele to do and tell people and bring you authentic people who come and do the same thing that they do. That is planning for growth. Where we make the mistake of is that, and I've said this before on my shorts, that we focus on those new clients. So if we have the 80-20 rule, 20% of the clientele is core, they stick to their appointments, they show up, they show up on time, they buy your, your products, they listen to you, they rebook, they refer. We don't focus on nurturing the 20%, we focus on the 80% because we're going to give a new client special or new client discount and insult the core 20% because when they ask us if we can get that same deal, you tell them, no, that is not planning for growth. So why are you focusing on 80% of the clientele who don't consistently come to your business, who don't keep their appointments, who don't buy your retail? Why do we do that? Because we have this fear of if we don't have new, then we don't have a business. No, if you don't cater to your 20% that keep your doors open, you really don't have a business. But we're not ready to change that because we're not planning for growth. I would love for you if you if you're on social media or if you look at certain trends, especially with bigger salons or bigger spas or bigger businesses, and you see them change, the one huge thing that they change is they remove the whole idea of new client specials or first-time client special. They remove discounts. And all they do is promote. And so promotions are wonderful and you're growing because all you're doing is sharing what you have available and how they can book with you. That is promotions. We have confused promotions with discounts. And so what we do is we throw a discount out there like we're fishing, hoping somebody's going to bite when we've given up a part of our income because the discount comes from your hourly rate. 
that comes from your pay. It doesn't come from the partial go to the rent because that stays the same. It doesn't come from specifically how much it costs to do the service. It comes from how much you're paid from doing that service, right? So we throw out a discount in hopes of getting someone. And now you've trained that specific client that you got on a discount that she'll always get a discount. So when you try to move them for first time to regular, they get upset because the way you established the relationship was with the discount. So then people come into my inbox. How do I stop discounting? You stop discounting. Well, should I wean them off? No. You stop discounting. You go in the opposite and you give them a gift. Oh, yeah. Because once you start discounting, that's a hard place to get out of. And the one thing I did really well is I did not discount at all. I was, I'm a great promoter. I'm a great promoter. I will promote and share and tell and tell you everything that we're doing because I want you to be a part of it. I'm not going to give you a discount. I'm not going to talk about discounts or sales or anything like that. Nope. I'm going to tell you what I'm offering and then how you can get it. That's what I've done so well the whole time. And that is one of my strengths, even when I'm planning for my growth, is that I know that my promotions are always going to be on top and top notch because that's what I do really, really well. But what I don't agree with and have never agreed with, especially with solo estheticians or smaller businesses, is trying to emulate what the big box people do. You're not going to do what franchise businesses do. You don't have the money. You're not purchasing the same way they do so that you have bigger revenue and you don't have the clientele to chase people when they don't pay their bill or they don't pay their membership. So the fact that you're wanting to look at a business model that was never meant for small business is not planning for growth. There was somebody on my shirt the other day when I started talking about paying attention to your 20% in your business. Oh, she's like, I'm going to start, you know, giving memberships to my, my core. No, I don't suggest that either. The membership model is not for the small business or solo esthetician. It will never be. You're not buying the way they buy. You don't have a, a, someone you hire to chase after people who don't pay their membership. And you're shorting yourself at the end of the day. So why not promote free gifts? Why not get them to spend a certain amount and they get a free gift? So that way you're guaranteed every time they buy your retail that they're going to spend a certain amount. Like why, why do we pigeonhole ourselves into this whole discounting and memberships and all of these things that were never meant for our business? Then when we do try them and they don't work, we get upset or frustrated because who has stayed tried and true? The 20%. Who has wanted those things? Not your newbies. It was the 20%. See, the thing about even in the communication and the relationship with your core, with the people that keep your doors open, they're going to stick with you because they have a relationship with you. You've built their trust. You've, you've connected to them in a way that they've wanted to be connected to, and they come back for it time and time again. When we focus and shift that from 20% to our 80%, yes, we have that great relationship with our 20%, but we try to make that faux relationship with the 80%. And they're not there to make relationships with us. They're there to get whatever deal we're getting or whatever they need for right now. And then they're going to be gone and they may come back in six or nine months later, maybe. But when I started really focusing on 
I'm always going to be planning for my growth, which means I'm always going to be putting strategic things in place for when it actually does happen. So that means I'm working in and I'm focusing on what will happen. I don't get focused on the day to day. And that's something I consciously had to do because in order for you to grow and sustain your growth, you got to have strategies in place for that growth. So if you're not appreciating your 20% right now, you're not doing client appreciations, you don't even send them an email on their birth on their birthday, that's something you got to do now. You got to do it. So moving into the new year, you got to put some systems in place where you already understand that you're going to support that 20%. I did a, and it's on my podcast, um, talking about um, client appreciation means you'll have more clients. And it was great because we had an esthetician who's worked with me for a while, come on Brandy and say, I have gotten more clients from doing client appreciation events than just regular referrals. Because I encourage those clients who are my core clients to bring their friends and family, and they do. So when you understand exactly what you have and how, if, as long as you plan for growth, you will grow. But if you don't plan for growth and you focus on the day-to-day, you're not going to grow because it's easy to get caught up in the day-to-day. So Ms. Angela Green is on here. I'm going to bring her up to the stage with me. And she's going to come on up when she's ready. Hey, aunt. Um, I really wanted to bring her up because one, I've been promoting her cost per service worksheet. So if you don't have the cost per service worksheet, she has, she is the creator of the cost per service worksheet. Um, Angela Green is at Skin Biz School. Um, and if you Google Skin Biz School, you'll see the absolute most amazing worksheet for skincare and for waxing. It breaks down the cost of your rent into every service, how much it costs to this, do the service, and what your hourly rate should be. So when I say to do a price increase, you're increasing the price of that service to give yourself a raise, which is your hourly rate. So if you're interested in getting that cost per service worksheet, I definitely encourage everyone to get it. It will never expire. You can use it. You'll be surprised at how much you may have thought you were making per service. And then you're not. And the reason I say that is because we used to use this in our master classes that I had live where we would have estheticians come out. Angela would be with me. She would have her own table working with people on the cost per service. And there was just a lot of tears coming because people did not realize that the prices that they put on their service menu did not reflect price of them actually having income. It was just a price. So they may be making a dollar an hour by the time the numbers all trickled out. And it's so sad because I see so many estheticians make this mistake, especially with service menus, is they don't calculate the cost of doing the service. They don't add their part of their rent into the service. They don't add their hourly rate into the service. And that's something that you really have to do consistently in order for you to get your hourly rate right? Because that was the big thing. Oh, no, I can never work for a chain because they only pay $7 an hour. And that would always be the theme every time we got to the part for the cost per service. And then when we plugged it into that worksheet, and I looked at her, I said, but you're only making a dollar an hour. Oh, the waterworks came. Oh, yeah. So you can't look around to price. You got to know your numbers. But if you're trying to make $50, $100 an hour, you got to price each service specifically so it reflects that $100 an hour. 
And then they're like, oh man. And there were some estheticians who had never done a price increase. They've never done a cost analysis. And that's really what it is, is a cost analysis. They never done that kind of analysis on their services. So they never knew how much it actually cost to do the service versus what they were charging for the service. They never included a piece of their rent. There's a whole system to growth, right? You're renting in order for you to have your business. But if you're not understanding that every service you do has to pay for a part of that rent, you're going to struggle. So when it comes to the retail dollars, the retail dollars are over and beyond and they help your hourly rate. But you got to have the nuts and bolts covered in that price for your cost per service. So when you have a service menu and you're looking at it, you're deciding if you're going to do a price increase. I always suggest to get the cost per service first to see what you were actually making. Most people are not making as much as they think they are because they've never broken down how much is the four by four, two by two, the stick, the tongue depressor, how much wax are you using? How much post wax are you using? How much cleanser? How much mask? Like they, you never broken it down per ounce on your back bar cleanser. Like how much does this bottle cost per ounce? How much does this mask cost per ounce, per half ounce? How much? That's why I'm a big advocate of decanting. We all learned decanting in school, but when we got out of school, we wanted to just grab. We thought we were big and bad and had the whole jar there. No, there's a, there's a system to decanting. It comes down to the cost per service because a lot of us waste. So my motto when I was training my staff, when I had them, if there's still wax on that stick, we have a problem because you're wasting product. All of that wax on that waxing stick needs to come off before you put it in the garbage. But again, your cost per service is another tool that you're going to plan for growth because now you know when you charge this certain amount, it's covering rent, your hourly rate, and the cost to do the service. You're actually making money on that service and not a dollar an hour or $2 an hour. For those of you who are on my podcast, I'm going to go ahead and stop you now. You can watch those and rewatch these or re-listen to these at any time. Thank you guys so much. You can visit me on stephanielanes.com.